quickly, why don't you hold your Bible? We're going to jump straight into it. Lift it up real high. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Still talking about the toolbox. You remember the story? Uh, these are, you know, different teachings that we did not put together in a series and uh, that we believe you need to have in your toolbox of life for you to live a life of victory. Amen. And today we are talking about uh, not limiting God. So we want you to live a life of no limits. Someone say no limits. No say it again. No Pastor T, is it even possible that we can limit God? I mean, we know that God is uh, omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. We know that God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. And we know that God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. I mean, how can you limit God Almighty, the one who's everywhere, the one who can do all things, and the one who knows all things? Let's go to Psalm chapter number 78, verse 41. Psalm 78, verse 41. It's going to be good. It's going to be good today. Amen. Psalm 78, verse 41. In the King James Bible, it says, Yea, they turned back and tempted, and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Can you see it? It says they limited God. Did you see that word? Did you see it? They actually limited a God who's omniscient, a God who's almighty, a God who's all-powerful. They limited him. You know why? Because God works through people. God flows through people. The Bible says his eyes go to and fro, looking for someone to show himself strong through. Amen? And because of that, God will not do anything that we do not allow him to do in our lives. The Bible said uh, in Ephesians 3.20, which Brother Tinasha read, he says that now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly. He's talking about the power of God. He said now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ever ask or think. And then he uses this word, according. Someone say according. according. That word according means in proportionate to. He says God is powerful. He can do exceeding abundantly above, but it's in proportionate to something. It's in accordance to the power that is at work in you. In other words, it's only to the extent that you let him do it. Hallelujah. That means you can limit God. God Almighty, God who's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, uh, 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 you can limit him. You can make him a Mickey Mouse God. You know, we used to sing these songs uh, growing up. I exalt you. I magnify you. I lift you up. And God, yet God is at the highest level you can ever be, right? So I was thinking, where else are we lifting him higher? Because he's the highest thing. He's the highest point in all universe. Yet, that's scripturally correct. You know why? Because you have to lift him up in your life. Because he could be low in your life. He could be a lightweight in your life. A God who's omnipotent, a God who's all-powerful, can be a Mickey Mouse God in your life. Because in your life, you can minimize him. So he's saying here, they limited the Holy One of Israel. God wanted to do great and mighty things through them, but they limited him. You know, a scripture we uh, love so much, Philippians 4 verse 19, it says, uh, uh, God will meet your needs, my God will meet your needs according to what? His riches in glory by Christ Jesus, right? And if you study that word need, in the Strong's Concordance, it's the same word demand. It's the word demand. God will supply what you place a demand for. See, God's resources are unlimited. You know, just like uh, 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 in your home, uh, the electricity that you use is not the total representation of what's available at ESCO. What you receive in your home is the amount you place a demand for or the amount you draw. 
And it's the same with God. God is all powerful. God can do everything. But for you, He will only do to the extent at which you draw on the anointing or place a demand on that anointing. And here I have to say, a lot of people are not placing a demand on the anointing, yet the anointing is available for them. And therefore, they are limiting God. So you can limit a God who is all-powerful. And you can limit what you will do in your life. Hallelujah! Is this making sense so far? Let's go to Matthew chapter number 9, verse 27. Matthew chapter number 9, verse 27. God works by law, and one of the laws that is established is that, you know, uh, for anything, any entity to operate in the earth realm, it should have a body. And this includes God, this includes Satan. So when God wants to uh, work in, an, in the earth realm, he's going to find some body or somebody to use. Because God can't interfere uh, on the affairs of the earth without using a body. That's why the Bible says his eyes go to and fro, looking for someone. It's almost a desperate situation. God has all these things that he wants to do in the earth realm, but his eyes are going through uh, 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 to and fro in the earth realm, f- looking for someone who will say, Lord, here am I, flow through me. Because everybody else is just busy blocking him out. When God wants to go to four ways, he will not, not just supernaturally go. You will find a body and go to four ways Come through on. that body. When God wants to give to you, He will not make money rain from heaven. It will say give and it will come back to you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together. Shall? Man. I didn't hear that. Shall? Man. Shall man give unto your bosom? God will find man and make those men his delivery system. Because God flows through people. And Satan as well. He is looking for people to use. He is looking for people to flow through. Amen? Now, when we limit how much of God that will flow through us, we have limited God. Matthew chapter number 9, verse 27. Is that where I told you to go? Watch what it says. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Thou, son of David, have mercy on us. Next verse. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him and saying, Jesus, and Jesus said unto them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Or believe ye that I'm able to do this? God today is asking the same question. How much do you believe God can do for you? Because that's how much he will do for you. Hallelujah. He says, do you believe I'm able to do this? And then what did he say? He said, they said unto him, yes, Lord. Next verse. Then he touched, then touched he their eyes, saying... You see that word again? According or in proportionate to your faith be it unto you. See how God works in our lives? He works in proportionate to our faith. So if you believe big, let it be unto you according to big. If you believe small, he's not going to argue with you. Let it be unto you according to your faith. Well, I believe God doesn't do miracles in 2017. I believe all of the miracles died with the, with the prophets. That's what someone will say, right? God is not even going to argue with you. He will say, let it be. Ah, let it be according to your faith. Let it be according to the level of your belief. Amen? And fear is the number one limiter for God to work through people. Someone say fear. Man, the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. One of the greatest ways the enemy has limited what God will do in your life is through fear. And we're getting ready to fix that. Fear is what faith is to the kingdom of God. Fear is to the kingdom of darkness... What faith is in the kingdom of God? Do you understand that? What does faith do? Faith brings the promises of God to pass. The same way fear will bring the anxieties and worries of Satan to pass. It's the same thing. And when you step into fear, you limit what God can do through you. 
And the number one fear that we're going to deal with today is called the fear of taking risks. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 14, verse 22. How many of you know that faith is a risk? Faith is a risk. Matthew chapter number 14, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountains apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. In other words, there was a storm. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the sea. Do you see it? God, man, your circumstances, whatever you're going through, to God, it's a piece of cake. Jesus came walking on the very thing that they were afraid of. The very thing that they thought was about to take their life. Jesus came walking on top of it. I don't know what you are faced with today, but let me guarantee you, God is on top of it. And if you get into God, you will also be on top of it. Jesus came walking on it. He came walking on it. What, what verse was that? 25. And verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. Man, this is good. There's lots of revelation here. Jesus didn't say, Okay, wait, I'm so sorry. This storm came and I wasn't here. He said, No, be of good cheer. You know why? Because God flows freely when you have joy. God doesn't flow very well when you have worry and anxiety. This is why even dealing with David, when the whole city had been plundered, he said to David, encourage yourself in me. And the Bible says David started encouraging himself in the Lord. He kept his joy level up so that God can flow. He says, be of good cheer. Wait a minute. If I was Jesus, you know what I would have done? I would have calmed the seas first. And then say, now be of good cheer. In other words, let's calm the sea first and then throw a party. Jesus says, throw a party while you are still faced with the circumstances. So that God can flow through you freely. Be of good cheer. It is I, don't be afraid. What else did he say? What verse are we on? 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come unto you on the water. And he said, come. <laughs> See, the promises of God are what? Yes and amen. God will never tell you no to your big dream. God will never tell you, well, I'm still thinking. God will always say, hey, come. God will always say, go. God will always say, just do it. Like Nike. And you know what Peter did? Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water. Peter recognized and realized that, hey, for me to experience what Jesus is experiencing, I'm going to have to take a risk. How many of you know that faith is a risk? Yeah. Stepping out of the boat, man, you don't know what's going to happen, but you have to step out of the boat. Yeah. And here's another nugget. You can't walk on water sitting in the boat yeah. with average people talking Mickey Mouse plants. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to get up and step out of the boat or do something different. And then the Bible said he walked on water. Well, pastor, we know that Peter sank, but he walked on water. He walked on water. In fact, we know that there are only two men throughout scripture who walked on water. Jesus and Peter. Yeah, but pastor, he sank, but he walked on water. <laughs> Amen. He did something. He, walked on, he did something that no one else ever did. Pastor, we know that they started this business and then now the business is, is bankrupt and it's shut down. But at least they started it. Yeah. At least they came out of the boat and did something. Yeah. They faced their fears and did something. Well, Pastor, but the business shut down. But they did something. They walked on what? They experienced something that you can never experience sitting in the boat. Yeah. Worried about the circumstances and what's going on. Yeah. Amen. So the Bible says, what verse are we on? 29. And he said, come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on water. Say these five words after me. He walked on water. 
to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, boy, that's where the mistake was. See, whatever you focus on will dominate you. He shifted his eyes from Jesus, the man we had said come, and focused on the circumstances. He focused on the winds of the economy. Junk status. He started focusing on that. Amen. But you and I know that the reason he was walking on water was not because the environment was conducive. Oh, it could have been a sunny day and the water is as smooth as glass. He would not have walked on water. In other words, he was not doing well because of the conducive environment. He was doing well because he was walking on the word come and keeping his eyes fixed on Jesus. So it doesn't matter what's going on around you. If you keep walking, fixing your eyes on Jesus, you will win. But if you move into circumstances and keep your eyes focused on what's going on, that wasn't even the reason why you are doing well in the first place. The reason you are doing well, the reason you are experiencing the supernatural, the reason you are walking on water was never because it was a perfect environment. It was because you are walking on the word. So why are you now shifting and focusing on the environment? The minute he focused on the environment, the Bible said he started to sink. And then beginning to sink, he cried out for help and Jesus picked him up. All of that happened because he shifted on, he focused his attention on the wrong thing. If you keep walking on the word, you will win all the time. Take risks, but walk on the word. Don't just take risks that are not word baked. Your risks must be baked by the word. And as you take those, keep your eyes focused on that word. You will walk on water. You will do the supernatural. For you to experience what Jesus wants you to experience, you're going to have to take some risk. You're going to have to get out of the boat. And here I have to say, if you're not living on the edge, you're wasting too much space. You have to take a step of faith and experience what Jesus experienced. Amen? Someone shout, no more fear of taking risks. Because Jesus... And his word begs me. Fear of failure, number two. The next fear that limits God is the fear of failure. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter number 7, verse 1. In the Message Bible. 2 Kings chapter number 7, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter number 7, verse 1. Okay, look up. Let's read from this version. Unless you have the message Bible. Elisha said, listen. What did we say this fear is? Fear of? Failure. Fear of failure. Don't be afraid to fail. Hunt your neighbor and tell them, don't be afraid to fail. Because if you are afraid of failure, tell them, preach to them. If you are afraid of failure, you've already failed. So ask them, are you going to be a failure? Or you're going to be bold? Hunch them and tell them, jump. And trust that on your way down, you'll grow some wings. Listen. Elisha said, listen. This is God's word. The famine is over. So they were in an economic recession. Listen. God's word. The famine is over. This time tomorrow, food will be plentiful. A handful of meal for a shekel. Two handfuls of grain for a shekel. The market at the city gate will be buzzing. In other words, if you go to the stock exchange, there's going to be action by this time tomorrow. Amen. You know, there's about seven wealth transfers in scripture where literally people went to sleep poor and woke up millionaires. About seven of them in scripture. And when we are preaching wealth transfer, if you, you, you have to get to a place where you believe it for yourself. And say, I believe this. You know what the man did? The man went and he said, hey, listen, by this time tomorrow, fuel will be one rand per liter. Amen. By this time tomorrow, 
fuel will be one rand per liter. And people went to the good old days, and people were thinking, 50 rand, Baba, 50 liters, I will have a full tank with 50 rand. It says by tomorrow, if you go to the stock exchange, it's going to be buzzing. That's what the word came and said. And here's what, of, what some of you were thinking. And this is what the other dude said. Next verse. The attendant on whom the king leaned for support said to the holy man, Ah, you expect us to believe that. <laughs> Trap doors opening in the sky and food tumbling out. It's like, ah, you expect us to believe that word of prophecy. In other words, some people, when I said there's about seven wealth transfers in scripture, and one of them can happen to you, some of them were like, ah, pastor, you expect us to believe that. You know, that I can go to sleep and wake up the next day, which I believe it. Because I know God can do it. God, we, we just said in Ephesians 3.20, now unto him was able to do how? Exceeding. How else? Abundantly. How else? Above. How else? All. You can never what? Ask or think or imagine, according, in proportionate to how much you will let him. So some of you were thinking like this attendant, ah, it won't happen. And guess what? God doesn't argue with anyone. All through scripture, God will just come and say, hey, there's a wealth transfer available for you. There's healing available for you. And then people will say, ah, no, we don't believe it. And God never argues with them. Because there's always a remnant, a few that will say we'll believe it. And God works through those. Amen. So this dude was like, ah, you believe, you expect us to believe that. We've been studying economics longer than you have been alive. We know how this thing works. And then God didn't argue with him. Neither did the prophet. You know what he said? He said you will watch it with your own eyes. In other words, your unbelief in what God is saying does not stop God from doing it. It will just stop him from doing it for you. God will still do it. He said, hey, hey, you will watch it with your eyes. In other words, it's going to happen. He said, but you will not eat it. You will not eat as much as a mouthful. It's going to happen, but not for you. Because unbelief stops the flow of God in your life. When you don't trust God, when you don't believe in God, it stops God from flowing through you and on your behalf. Someone shout, I believe. Every word, every jot, every tickle that God says in his word over my life. Regardless of how ridiculous it may sound, to the, to the natural. Next verse. It happened that four lepers, this is where I really want to go. Four lepers. You know, leprosy is a dangerous disease. And it, it re usually just corrupts the nerve, the nerve system. The nervous system, is that what it's called? The nerve system? Nervous system? It corrupts it. And, and, and what that means is your, your nerves don't transmit pain to your brain anymore. So, uh, this is dangerous because you can aggravate your body parts without knowing it. So, what ends up happening is parts start falling off. Just eyes fall off. Ears just fall off. And you won't know it. And you won't have any pain. And it's contagious, you know, by contact. So, what they usually used to do back in the days, they would uh, kick you out of the city until you are well. So, the four lepers had been kicked out of the city. So, it's going to deal with your leprosy and then come back. So, these dudes are sitting outside of the city. And they said one to another, what are we doing sitting here at death's door? This is the most important conversation around people in troubles and challenges that you'll ever read in scripture. They started evaluating their lives. They said, man, we are dying sitting here. And some of you are dying relationally sitting where you're sitting. And you're going to have to make some changes. Some of you are dying emotionally. Some of you are dying financially. You're holding on to that hundred rand. I like to preach the gospel, uh, prosperity gospel. Is that what they call it? I like to preach the gospel of prosperity to poor people. Because they are dying already. Hundred rand is not enough already. So use it to trust God. It's not enough. So use it to trust God. Do something different. They said, man, we are dying. We are dying where we are sitting here. We are already dying. Next verse. If we enter into the famine struck city, what will happen? We'll die also. If I go back to my old job, that old relationship, 
It's death. <laughs> if we stay here, what will happen? We will die. We are dying. I hate this job. I hate this relationship. I hate it. I'm dying. Uh, Most honest rela- uh, conversation you'll ever read in scripture. Uh, they were honest with themselves. This is death. And then what they said, so let's take our chances. Did you read that? Yeah. Say, let's take our chances. <laughs> this is the problem with faith people. Faith people don't take their chances because they are afraid to fail. So they said, hey, let's, take, let's do something different. What is the definition of insanity? To keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting what? So if you want different results, what should you do? Do something different. They said, hey, let's take our chances. The greatest ba- basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. If I brought him here and we have a hoop in front of us, you give me the ball, give another ball to Michael Jordan, and I take the shot. Michael Jordan standing there holding his ball. Who has the greatest chance of making the shot? But he's holding the ball. How is he going to have any chance holding the ball? Who has the greatest chance of making the shot? Because my ball is in the air. Michael Jordan is holding his ball. I have a greater chance. He's more talented, but I have a better chance of making the shot. You know why? Because I took my chance. I just made the shot. It's the faith shot. And this is the problem with most talented people. They are not taking their chances. They are holding their ball of talent. And if you don't take your chances, there's going to be untalented people coming on the scene, taking their chances, and one of the short, they will make it. And it will radically change their lives. Hunt your neighbor and tell them, you're going to have to take some chances. They said, hey, let's take our chances in the camp of the enemy or the Aram. Throw ourselves at their mercy. If they receive us, what will happen? We'll leave. If they kill us, what will happen? Read those five words with me. We've got nothing to lose. Listen, you have nothing to lose. They said, hey, let's at least die having fun. Because we are dying anyway. We are dying bored. Let's die doing something exciting. Let's die being adventurous. Let's die having fun. Let's take our chances. Let's start a business. Let's do something. Let's, let's get excited. Let's follow our dream. Let's, let's invest into this thing and at least fail uh, uh, doing something we really love doing. Instead of dying in a job that I really hate. I'm preaching to someone. Or dying in a relationship that I really don't want to be in. Let's take our chances. Let's go to the enemy. And watch what happens. Next verse. So after the sun went down, they got up and went to the camp of Aram. And when they got to the edge of the camp, surprise. Not a man in the camp. What had happened? Next verse. The master. Who might be the master? Capital letter M. God. The master had made the army of Aram hear the sound of horses and a mighty army on the march. They told one another, the king of Israel hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of, the, uh, of Egypt to attack us. The four cats decided we're going to take steps of faith. As they were taking steps of faith, see, God can compound, multiply, and act of faith. Four guys with wounds, missing limbs, decided to do something of faith. They didn't even hear it. As they were taking a step of faith, God would compound. Four dudes. Four dudes are just taking a stroll. You know why? Because God will work with something of faith. When you step out in faith, regardless of your fears, you give God something to work with. They did something different. As they were walking, the enemy heard the sound of a mighty army and they left the camp. And watch what happened. It gets exciting. Panicked, they ran for lives, for their lives, through the darkness, abandoning tents, horses, donkeys, the whole camp just as it was. Running for what? Dear life. Next verse. From four lepers, but it wasn't the leprosy, it was the faith. 
And faith is an act. Next verse. The four lepers entered the camp, went into a tent. First, they ate and drank. I mean, these dudes were hungry, right? So let's eat so we can think straight. <laughs> ate and drank. Then they grabbed silver, gold, and clothing and went off and hid it. They came back. I like these dudes. I like them. They came back, entered another tent, looted it, again hiding their plunder. Next verse. Finally, they said one to another, Oh no, man, we can't be doing this. <laughs> this is a day of what? I didn't hear that. See, when God really blesses you, He blesses you so that you can be a blessing. Yeah. And what happens when you receive good news? What's the first thing you want to do? You want to share it with someone. See, if God has been good to you, you want to share it with someone. The reason why we don't have enough evangelists and you know, is because people haven't caught that revelation of how good God has been to them. See, because if God has been good to you, you'll be like, man, I want to tell someone. Watch what they say. We are making it into a private party. I cannot turn my testimony into a private party. I want to tell somebody. Do you see it? And they went, uh, if we wait around until morning, we'll get caught and punished. Come on, let's go tell the news to the king's palace. Next verse. So they went and called out at the city, telling what the king, uh, telling what had happened. We went to the camp of Aram and surprise, the place was deserted. Not a soul, not a sound. Horses and donkeys left, tethered, and tents abandoned just as they were. Next verse. The gatekeepers of the word to the royal uh, palace giving them the whole story. Next verse. Roused in the middle of the night, the king told his servants, let me tell you what Aram has done. There's always going to be someone with some speculative imagination of how it happened. You know, God healed someone and there's always going to be someone saying, you know, ah, they brought their own sick people. They were not really sick. There's always going to be someone with some weird speculative explanation of of the breakthroughs of God. Listen, God is mighty. He can do what he wants. He can do it. Someone was saying, you know, the children of Israel, uh, uh, Moses didn't really part the Red Sea. The, 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 the shallow, the, the waters freeze in a certain time in, in winter and the shallow was real, the, the water was real shallow. And then someone turned around and said, oh man, that makes it even a mightier miracle because all of the horses of Pharaoh and all of the chariots drowned in water this is that's this shallow see god wins regardless of what you say he said they knew that we were starving so they left camp and have hid in the field thinking when they come out of the city we'll capture them alive and take the city next verse next verse 13 they took the two chariots one of the advisors answered, let some men go and take the five of the horses left behind. The worst that can happen is no worse than what could happen to the whole city. They only had five horses left in the whole city. But overnight, they were tapping into a realm where they could have horses for spare. Spare horses. Can you imagine? Spare transportation. Just another car. Just another Porsche. I'm believing for that day. Well, I'll have a, a car that I don't have to use. Yeah. It's just there for when I want to use it. Yeah. Not, you know, you're going, everyone knows. Yeah, if you see a BMW white one, it means Pastor T is here. No. Man, I want to get to a place where you don't know how I'm going to show up. Yeah. I might just show up in a red Ferrari. Yeah. Say, oh, this guy. Which one? Pastor? Which one are you driving? Because I'm kind of confused. I want to get to that place. And that's, what, that's the realm they were tapping into. Amen. And some of you are already thinking, man, I only want one car. God is not going to argue with you. <laughs> it's according to the power that is at work in you or in according to how much you let him. Because yeah. I'm already thinking if I have five and I want to give away one, it's not going to be so much prayer and fasting and binding and trying to hear God again. See, when you have one car and God says, give it away, it's like, oh Lord, ah, Shanda Mashiki. God, is it really you? 
But if I have five, give it away. Okay, Lord, thank you. And I'll give it away. Amen. Amen. The next day, they only had five horses. The worst that can happen is no uh, worse than what could happen to the whole city. Let's send them, find out what's happened. Next verse. Verse 14. They took two chariots with horses. The king sent them after the army of Aram with the orders. Scout them out. Find out what happened. Next verse. They went after them all the way to the Jordan. The whole way was strewn, strewn, strewn with clothes and equipment that Aram had dumped in their panic flight. The scouts came back and reported to the king. Next verse. The people then looted the camp of Aram. What happened? Food prices dropped. Food prices dropped overnight. And this can happen to you. It's not going to happen to the nation of South Africa, but it can happen to the economy of Tafara. How it happens is God will give me so much billions and trillions of money that paying 50 rand per liter for fuel is like one rand a liter. So when it used to happen in the Old Testament, it would happen to the whole nation. But now when it happens in the New Testament, it happens to the whole nation, individuals who have a certain citizenship. And it's called the citizenship of heaven. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And you can have a transfer of wealth overnight. It doesn't mean that you go to pick and pay and bread was 10 rand and it will become 5 rand. It just means God will quadruple your income. It will feel like 10 rand is 5 rand. Do you know there's some people where 100 rand feels like 5 rand? It just depends where you are. It's like, ah, it's 100 rand. But for some, 100 rand feels like 1 million. It depends where you are. And God can change your personal economy. Watch this overnight. And that's what happened there. That's what happened. Overnight, a handful of meal for a shekel. Two handfuls of grain for a shekel. God's word to the what? What do we say today? God's word to the T. Next verse. The king ordered his attendant, the one. You remember that dude? You remember that dude? That's the one. The one who leaned, who he leaned on for support to be in charge of the city gate. The people turned into a mob, poured through the gate, trampling him to death. It was exactly what the holy man had said when the king had come to see him. No, the thing happened, it just didn't happen to the man. Next verse. Every word of the holy man to the king, a handful of meal for a shekel, two handfuls of grain for a shekel, this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria. Next verse. With the attendant's sarcastic reply to the holy man, You expect us to believe that? Trap doors opening in the sky and food tumbling out, followed by the response. You will watch it with your eyes, but you won't eat so much as the... What happened to those words? Proved true. Came to pass. The man limited what God could do for him by his loud mouth, going against God's word. Next verse. The final stroke came when the people trampled the man to death at the city gate. That's what happened. But I like the four lepers. The four lepers didn't let the fear of failure stop them from doing something. Do you see it? They were not afraid to fail. They were like, hey, if we get killed, so what? We're already failing where we are. So we might as well do something different. And, you know, I always say to the guys in our leadership team, let's do something big so that if we win, we win big. If we fail, we fail. We will still have a testimony. We will still sit down and say, man, we were were bold. Oh, man, that was crazy. But, man, that was fun. Instead of, oh, man, this is the same old life. You know, we wake up, eat, 
and play and then go to sleep and do it again. Put it on repeat. No, we do something different. Do something. Confront your fears and do something crazy. And then if you win, you win big. And the final one is the fear of failure. Fear of failure. Someone say fear of failure. No, no, no. Does it say fear of failure? No, this is fear of man. The last one is fear of man. Okay? Fear of man. This is probably the number one killer of dreams. When you hold people's opinions in a higher regard than the word of God, you will lose mightily. This one guy came to me. said, Pastor T, you know, God told me to do this. But you know, my mother thinks I shouldn't do this. My mother-in-law thinks it's crazy. My wife thinks it's ridiculous. Uh, Pastor, what do you think I should do? And I said to him, brother, you lost me the minute you said God said I should do this. Because to me, once God says I should do it, it doesn't matter what you think. Because <laughs> I'd rather make the man upstairs happy than you. You know why? Because you is fickle. You could be happy with me today. And then you meet Betty on your way out. And she tells you something about me. And you change your opinion. But the man upstairs, he's going to be cool with me. Watch this all the time. <laughs> he decided... 2,000 years ago, that he was going to be cool with me. And he hasn't changed his word. Or reneged on his word. So I'd rather work with him than be in fear of man. Or what man can do to me. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 29 verse 25. Proverbs 29 verse 25. The message Bible. And then we're going to read it in the King James as well. Proverbs 29 verse 25. Watch what it says. It says the fear of human opinion. What does it do? I didn't hear that. The fear of human opinions disarms. It disarms you. Give it to me in the King James Bible. Trusting in God. Okay. The fear of man brings a, a snare. Or oh, the fear of man is a trap. It's a trap. When you don't get into what you're called to do because you're afraid of what men think, you're already trapped. You're already in a, in a snare. And you're already disarmed to be an agent, to be an ambassador for God. You're at a dangerous place. You know why? You shouldn't even consider what people think of you. Because people will talk whether you're doing something or you're doing nothing at all. So you might as well give them something to talk about. Something new and nice. Yeah. Something fresh, right? I mean, you don't want people you're talking about something you did in 1977. <laughs> Give them something fresh all the time. Like, oh, I heard you did this last week. Like, yeah. Stay updated. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. Ministers, particularly us in the clergy, can become addicted to people's approval. And nothing neutralizes the call of God more than the fear of man. You know, just trying to be a people pleaser. Trying to make everybody happy. You can't do it. Uh, verse 3. I said, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, not Chronicles. Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 4. First Corinthians chapter number four. Uh, give it to me in the message Bible, verse three. Message Bible. Watch what the Apostle Paul says. He said, It matters very little to me what you think of me. This should be your attitude. See, what you think of me is your business. It's not my business. So it matters to me very little what you think of me. Even less where I rank in popular opinion. See, if, you, if your objective is to stay top 10 popular opinion, I want to stay in top 10 popular opinion, you, you are disarmed. Remember what it says? The fear of human opinion is a trap. It disarms you. Hallelujah. I don't even rank myself. I mean, this dude went far. He's like, I don't even, 
I don't even rank myself. Listen, even to me, my own opinion of me doesn't even matter. How much more yours of me? You know whose opinion mattered to him? It was only God's opinion. See, because when your opinion of yourself matters, there's one of two things that will happen. Either you will highly exalt yourself above measure, or you will highly degrade yourself below the accurate representation of what God says you are in Scripture. Known as false humility. So you know whose opinion should matter? God's opinion. Let's go to Daniel chapter number 3, verse 12. We're talking about the fear of man, right? Don't be trapped in the fear of man. Daniel 3, 12 in the King James Bible. Remember the story? Uh, the king had said to the people, hey, listen, every time we uh, sound the trumpet, we want all of you to bow down to this, these golden images, these golden idols, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, no, we're not going to bow down. And then, you know, the, sing, the king uh, sent some uh, people to go and call them in. <clears throat> and uh, these people came to report to the king. They are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. So these were men in government. Okay? They were already working for the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This man, these men, O king, have not regarded you. They served they serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Next verse. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought this man before the king. <coughs> Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, <coughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Is it true? Now if you be ready, at the, that at, the, at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, sackbut, sautry, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? So the king was mad. He was angry. He said, okay, we're going to give you one more chance. When we play the music, I want you to bow down. One more chance. Because, I, you know, I, I like you guys. I like you. See, but what you're doing is disrespectful. So I'm not going to throw you straight away, but I'm giving you one more chance. When I play the music, you bow. And watch what the cat said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. In other words, we don't care, 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 don't care. We are not careful to even answer. Listen, we don't even know why we're on this track. <laughs> we are not even careful to answer you. And watch what he says. Next verse. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand O king I want you to read the first four words with me if it be so read them again if it be so one more time if it be so two more times if it be so one last time notice he said those words and put a comma so they're saying if that's what you want to do if you want to throw us in the burning, fiery furnace. Our God will save us. Read those four words again. If it be so. If that's what you want to do. Next verse. But if not, but if not, if you don't throw us in the fiery furnace, that's the corresponding link. 
It's not, but if not. See, a lot of preachers read it this way. God will sh- shall deliver us out of thine hand. But if not, like God, what, like if God doesn't. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, but if not, if you decide to change your mind and not throw us in the burning fiery furnace, this is our stance. This is our position. If you don't throw us, if not, let it be known unto you, O king. Let it be known that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set. And God can work with people like this. God can work with people that are not afraid of man. That are not in the trap of the fear of man. When you are consumed with, you know, what people think of your business idea, what people think of you, what, you know, status, you know, where the society will place you, when you are consumed with that kind of stuff, God can't work with you. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man is a trap. But those that choose to put their trust in God shall be safe. That's what he said. He said, when you put your trust in God, you shall be safe. So the king decided he was going to throw them in. He said, hey, heat up the fire. Seven times hotter than we usually have it. Threw them in. And you know what the Bible says? It says the men who threw them in were burnt and killed. And these dudes were in the fire. It felt like a cold room. Just talking stories, man. What did you do last week? Oh, uh, man, we decided to go and uh, watch the game. So we were watching the game. But do you really think Wenga should be out? And then Jesus was like, oh, man, this is so much fun. And he joined them. And it was four of them just talking. Oh, man, yo, man, ah, we had a good time. What are you going to do when we come out of here? He says, oh, man, I'm planning to take my family on vacation. And they're just walking and just having a good time. And Jesus was like, man, I can take a stroll with this kind of dudes. Because they are not afraid of men. The only person they are afraid of is God. And when you put your trust in God, you shall be saved. And they were were walking. What happened? They came and looked. And they were like, didn't we throw three men in there? But who's the fourth one? He looks like the son of man. They started prophesying. And the king was like, take them out. They went there, you know, extinguishing the fire. Took them out. And they said their clothes didn't even smell of fire went through it. Man, when you're with God and you have no fear of man, you will go through stuff, come out of it, and you won't even smell like you've been through it. You don't even smell like you've been through it. And you know what the king did? He changed his mind. He said, now I like these guys. People always change their minds when you stand your ground. Remember the people that wanted to kill the apostle Paul? Shipwrecked and all. And they thought the Apostle Paul had bad luck on him, bad omen on him. Yeah. And as they came out, picked up uh, 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 sticks, and uh, he was beaten by a rattlesnake. And they said, oh, you see, we told you, this dude has bad luck. Watch what's going to happen. Two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours. The next day, the dude is just hanging around, man, just chilling. He shook that thing off. And they said, man, this dude must be a god. <laughs> Remember I told you people are fickle? But if you, if you join them in being fickle, you also lose. But when you stand your ground, they will change. Their fickleness will be in your favor. They will start off saying they won't promote you. But when you stand your ground, they will turn around and say, we like people like this. We like people like this. He said from today onwards, this whole nation shall not bow down to these fake gods that I made. From today onwards, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be the God of this nation. Because three Hebrew boys decided they were not going to give in to pressure. How do you, how do you uh, remedy this fear? How do you stay at a place where you are not fearful? The Bible is clear. God has not given us a spirit of uh, uh, fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. How do you do it? The Bible is also very clear. Perfect love casts out fear. You need to be at a place where you know God loves you. And God wants you safe more than you want to be safe. Man, and when you're at that place, you can operate in your faith. What did the Bible say? It says uh, faith works by... It works by love. So not only is love 
the remedy for your fears. It is the fuel for your faith. So it will take you out of the realm of Satan, put you in the realm of God, and give you enough fuel to operate in the realm of God. It's the love of God. That's why he said in Jude chapter number 1, verse 21, keep your heart fixed in the love of God. In other words, every day keep reminding yourself, God loves me. God loves me. God wants me to prosper more than I want to prosper. God wants me. Shout, God wants me to win more than I want to win. Therefore, I don't have to convince him. I don't have to beg him. Because he's already in my favor. See, when you catch this revelation, you want to. See, these dudes didn't say, okay, guys, what have you done? Now let's call the whole Christian neighborhood so we can uh, bombard the gates of heaven and inform God what we just did. We told the king, Nebuchadnezzar, bring people. Hold hands. Let's tell God, king is going to throw us in the, in the fire tomorrow. No, they didn't do it. They rested in knowing that God loved them. Amen. See, when you know how much God loves you, you rest in that knowledge. And when you keep your heart fixed in that, faith becomes easy. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, someone shout to, from today onwards. All my fears are gone. I will not fear man or what man may do to me. I am not afraid. Of failure. I was saying in the early service, Michael Jordan is in the top 10 uh, most prolific basketball players. That means he made more shots than most people. He's in the top 10. I think he's number 2 or number 3. But watch this. He's also in the top 10 most missed shots. See, you didn't think about that. If you're going to make the shots... You're going to have to make so much of them, you might have to miss some. But you have to keep going. What does the Bible say about a righteous man? He falls down how many times? But out of the seven, what else does he do? He gets up. Gets tripped again. Gets up. Gets tripped again. So don't be afraid to fail. Because if you are, you're already in failure. Someone shout, I am delivered from the fear of taking risks. I am empowered to step out of the boat and do the supernatural. Therefore, my life will be a supernatural life of faith, big dreams, big plans, not afraid to fail. But expectant of victory in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, we thank you for these, your children. Father, we thank you for every dream that you have given these, your children. Every business, every ministry under the sound of my voice. Father, we thank you that you are stretching their imagination. Stretch their imagination. Stretch their imagination. Make them dream again. Make them dream again. Make them move by faith and not by sight. Oh, compound, multiply their faith efforts thank you Jesus thank you Jesus not a failure under the sound of my voice for victory is ours do it Lord do it Lord as we close I want you to think of that one dream, that one vision that God has blessed you with. Dream again and bring it before God today. 
as you leave this place, man, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to go back home, start working on that business plan. And uh, the only difference is make it 10 times bigger. Start working. Start working on that dream. Start working on that vision that God has given you. Just make it huge. Oh, make it a big vision. Don't limit God. And submit it into His hands. And watch God go to work. Father, we thank you. We thank you. That as we go, you are going with us. Lord, I thank you for those in life-challenging situations. Father, I thank you for boldness. I thank you for courage. Thank you, Jesus. Do it for them, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father, we honor you and we give you praise. In the mighty, matchless name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have prayed. And everyone said. And amen. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by. We love you. God bless you.